It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. Well, it's not here's Johnny today. It's his sidekick out of the time. Uh, Tony Burke's with you today. Me and Scoot are going to do the show. It's the first time I've done this by myself. So, Scoot, when I screw it up, just jump in and uh, correct me. Oh, I'll, I'll give you hell for it. Don't you worry. Uh, well. You're prepared, though. You got a whole sheet of notes. Yeah, I've actually tried to do some homework because I can't come in here and wing it like the big guy. But John's on assignment. Uh, he's in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, covering uh, the Bellarmine uh, North Alabama game today, which is only about a five-and-a-half-hour drive, he said. And then when he gets done there, he's going to go five-and-a-half hours to Conway, Arkansas, to cover Bellarmine against Central Arkansas. And then about an eight, eight-and-a-half-hour bus ride back to Louisville on Saturday evening. So, so do they make that five-and-a-half-hour drive tonight after the game? Well, you know, he said that to me. He wasn't sure, and he doesn't think they'll make it tonight because they'll, I think they'll stay there, then make the trip, practice during the day. They like to get there, you know, get custom to the court. But he did text me that Bellarmine's down another player. So their, uh, their uh, mash unit is not – you know, it's it, it's it's a big mash unit, and I know that's tough on him being the first year guy down there. But he's enjoyed it. But those bus rides can get long. Oh yeah. But me and Scoot are here today to talk about all the stuff that John talks about on Spears on Sports. And you know what, Scoot? Thornton's. That's right. You hear that, baby? That's you hear right. that? I made my stop. I was in a hurry today. I've been busy. I got a basketball game to coach tonight. I got to go somewhere else. I was already somewhere today. So if I sound jacked up, man, I am jacked up. So. uh <laughs> We're ready to go here, but uh, Thornton's hot uh, text line is open at 502-414-1450 in the M&M Cartage Hotline, 502-384-1450. Help me out if you want to call in, if you want to text, we'll get those on there, but a lot going on, Scooter, in sports uh, yesterday. Yeah. To, to say the least, that's a, I came in there to you before we started today, and I was like, man, what a great day for you to host. There's no shortage of topics to talk about. Yeah, I, I watched the UofL. We'll start with the UofL game. There's a whole lot going on with the football coaches. There was a lot of college basketball last night, uh, besides for the University of Louisville. But let's go ahead and start it with the Cards. The Cards get a huge road victory, and I know, Scoot, you, you didn't have them winning a game till February. No, no, yeah, that was the Scooter guarantee that they would not win a game in the month of January. That's just the jinx that Louisville fans needed, I guess. I'm good for a good old jinx every now and then, so you're welcome, Cards fans. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree with that. The Cards go to 6-9. Six and nine. Six wins, Scoot. What about that? Yeah. Kenny's finally in double digits a year and a half into this thing. Well, they're only 1-3 in conference, but uh, they ended a 22-game road losing streak last night to a good Miami team that looked disinterested last night. Yeah, it, it was fun, though. I, Louisville, I thought – I thought they did a really good job coming out of the game with some fire. Mike James, of course, scoring 16 of the first 18 points. Where is Louisville without Mike James to start that game last night? Well, he was on fire. Yeah. I mean, he he literally looked like a guy that, you know, that wanted the ball every time. He looked like the star player, and confidence goes a long way. But, yeah, he got him out of the gate really quick, ended up with that, like 26 points in the game, and that was huge. I, I think just confident-wise, you know, they kept talking about Kenny Payne saying, you know, I believe we're going to win. You guys got to believe. And basically just said, you guys are going to play, you know, about seven guys maybe. Uh, I know Miller started the game. I don't even know if he hardly played. My ESPN app's out on me. I'm working with the CBS 
sports app, which mm. is different for me, which is tougher when you're used to something. But I tell you what, that you know, you texted me that, you know, and what'd you say to me? I, just basically that it, who is this team? I think was the general synopsis of it is because I I, did, I truly didn't know. It was unlike any Louisville team that I have watched in the last year and a half. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing. They looked like, even when things went a little south and, and, and Miami would make a run, they would just kind of, normally they quit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they kind of look around at each other, who's going to do what, let's turn it over. And when they turned the ball over, they kept playing. And then the guy that, you know, me and John have talked about a lot, we, we thought Brandon Huntley Hatfield, you know, BHH, was going to be a star for him. I mean, when he was a freshman at Tennessee, he was really good. And last night and then the last games, he's played very well. He had 22 points last night and nine rebounds. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different team when he's rebounding and scoring in the block. Yeah, no, and and the best some of the best games that Louisville's had under Kenny Payne is when Huntley Hatfield is playing well. So good to see that last night. That version of Huntley Hatfield can play anywhere he wants. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a, a high school All American. He comes in there and, and he he said all the right things early in the year about Kenny Payne. Love Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne's my guy. He's take you know he works with us. He takes care of us. He loves us all those things. But the guy that helped him out too was, was Curtis Williams. Curtis Williams had 12 points. And if they can get 12 points out of Curtis Williams and they get almost a double-double out of Huntley Hatfield and Mike James puts that up there, they can win a few games. Now, don't get too excited, Louisville <laughs> fan, you know, when you're um, going to look in the paper or look down the road because they're still the Cardinals. Yeah. And uh, But – all in all, last night, if you're a Louisville fan, you had to at least get a big kick in the butt of encouragement. Hersey Miller, by the way, only played seven minutes after getting the start, so a little surprising there. And, I, I, yeah, I just – once they get healthier, I think it could maybe – the exact phrase I texted you, by the way, last night was they played competent basketball, which we haven't seen that out of Louisville in, in years, it seems like. So, yeah, but if they, if they get – Trey White back, get him healthy back into the fold. That gives them one more body to use. You don't have to rely so much on a guy like Jovanovic, who also got the start last night. They had Jovanovic and Hersey Miller in the starting lineup last night and won that game. What? And, and you know why Miami was overconfident? Because they saw, saw Johanna, uh, jo- <laughs> Jovanovic, Jovanovic was starting, and he, he they were like, wow, he couldn't even play down here. Well, that that's honestly, Tony, that's a different game. Last night, if Miami hits their open looks, because that was a lot of the hype going into the game. Miami was a good three-point shooting team. Louisville, not a great three-point defending team. So Miami had a whole lot of looks, especially in that first half, wide open that they just could not knock down. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing. They they rely a lot on that outside game. Mm -hmm. And when you're not making shots, and at the end of the game, Louisville scored the last nine points of the game. And Miami couldn't throw out the ocean at the end of the game. I mean, they weren't even coming close. They were just they were hitting the rim and coming off long. Louisville was getting a rebound, and uh, I think the fans down there at Miami were same thing as the team. They were scratching their head. How did this? Happen? That's, a, that's a good Miami team. Too. It is, yeah. So I lost a lot of money on that game last night. By the way, kept hitting that live button for Miami. <laughs> yeah, not good. <laughs> Well, there's your first uh, betting tip of the day. Uh, Why me and John don't have the app on our phone. I put it on there, and when I realized I had to have a credit card, uh, I thought, no, that's not a good thing as a backup. So 
Um, yeah, you can fire on that, can't you? And sometimes it's yeah. great, and sometimes it's bad. I mean, but- I got I got Miami near the end of that game, Tony, last night at plus two sixty, meaning a ten dollar bet was going to pay me thirty six dollars for them on the money line. I mean, that's I couldn't pass that up. No. They're playing Louisville. No, and, and if yeah, you know, it's like it's like reading the racing farm at the track. You're like, I've read the racing farm. I'm, I'm going to stick with this because past history has given me the you know what's going to happen, and it didn't happen. But you know, Miami Louisville ended a four game losing streak against Miami last night, so there's another positive. And it does. I did write down that Miami missed their last nine field goal attempts. Wow. You're not going to win many games when you no. miss lose your last nine, miss your last nine. Shots. Well, and that's surprising because they have. So I guess Huntley Hatfield's got some size, but I, I'm surprised O'Meara didn't have a bigger game last night for Miami with the with the size advantage he had down low. He only ended with nine points, seven rebounds. Miami's got to get a better game out of him than that if they want to win this game. I mean. It kind of feels weird to say that because they shouldn't need a bigger game than that out of him playing this Louisville team. But that Louisville team that played last night, Omir has to show up. Yeah, and I've watched him play a bunch. He, he's a beast in there, mm-hmm. and he's, he's a great rebounder. He can score around the basket. But got to give a little bit of that credit, I guess, to the Huntley Hatfield because my phone, of course, is rebooting, and I can't get the stats up what I have, what I have here. But – Huntley Hatfield had to play. Did he play the whole game? I he don't played, remember him going out of the game. 37 minutes. Him and Sky Clark both played 37. You had Mike James with 39 minutes. So Mike James damn near played the whole game. Yeah, and, and that's impressive. And But I, I, I go back to something that I've always talked about in these games now. With these long commercial breaks and stuff, if you can get your wind and rest a little bit at certain times, maybe – maybe on the defensive end or maybe on the offensive end a little. But with these TV timeouts and your timeouts, you do get breaks. But that's a lot of minutes. And if you're going to try to play that many minutes, guys, especially if a guy's not having a good game and you don't have anybody to put him behind him, and that that's um, you know, something that they're, they're going to deal with. And that's why they're six and nine. No J.J. trainer rest of the year. Um, so Evans is gone. There's just not a lot of bodies. And I actually thought this. You brought up Miller. Not playing much. When I, I was coming home, I was listening before I got home to watch the game, and I thought, well, you know what? I'd play Miller. Mm-hmm. I, I don't go to practice, so I don't know. But at least he plays hard when he's right. in the game, and you know, guys like that at least give you an effort. And I think that's why uh, Jovanovic plays because he plays hard. He doesn't get a whole lot done, but he doesn't really screw anything up. So, yeah. And and one thing I wanted to throw in there on the on the back end of this is, you know, Jerry Jones, the old assistant coach at University of Louisville, passed away the other day, mm-hmm. and you know he. He was with the program when they won the national championships, and maybe Jerry was helping last night. Maybe yeah. maybe Jerry gave Kenny a push to, to get him over the hump last night. But, boy, it had to be a good feeling for the Cardinals leaving that arena last night. Now, let me ask you this, Tony, because I know you, you coach. You do a lot of coaching in this area. With Huntley Hatfield, Mike James, and Sky Clark all playing above 37 minutes last night, is that one of those things that Kenny Payne feels he has to have those guys out there, or or is that more so player going to Kenny saying, "Hey, don't take me out. Feeling good. I'm fine. It's all good." Well, what what coaches do a lot, especially in college, is they try to sub the guys out before the TV timeout, yeah, to give them longer breaks. So if you can get them out a minute before or so the the TV break, you get them a longer break. But I think it works both ways because I think he knows he has to have them in the game. Because what am I going to do? Who am I going to put in right now? Right. You know, we, we drop off so much. But the other part of it is, if I'm a player, I want to be on the floor. 
and you know you might need that blow here or there and if you can give them a blow you know, one here one there that's that, that that makes a big difference but uh, I think it's a combination, and I think they just don't have a lot of options on that. The, the only reason I ask that is because with Mike James playing those 39 minutes, yeah, he had those 26 points, but you've got Tyler Johnson on the bench. He played 14 minutes, got eight points. Why, why is Tyler Johnson only playing 14 minutes when he's putting up eight points when he can give Mike James a, a spell on the bench? That, that's a good question, and I, I didn't really think about that, but uh... – I mean, he's one of the guys that can play. I guess he just felt like things were going so good that mm-hmm. till something went wrong that, you know, he was going to have to make a, a substitution. And, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, you, you never know. And when, when those things go, you got to play a feel. A lot of times the coach has to feel what's going on instead of just, you know, playing along with it. But give the cards credit, first conference win of the year. And – uh Wow, it's just you're, you're looking for any positive. Did you see the picture, Scoot, when they showed the arena with the whiteout and basically said this is what Louisville basketball used to look like? <laughs> no, they didn't really. They didn't say that, but they were they were hitting at it pretty hard, and uh, so every, everything you know, pretty good. So yeah, well, let's go. Let's go to the hotline, Scoot. Who you got on there? You got my man. Got my got your man. Yeah, Ed. What's up? Well, all I can say about last night in the Louisville winning, let's see if they can carry it home uh, Saturday when they play North Carolina State. Now, North Carolina State is maybe uh, you know mid-level to uh, above in the ACC. They're three and one. They lost last night uh, at Carolina, one of their rivals. And, and this this NC State team five times this year has scored in the fifties, so they're not a great offensive team. Let's see if Louisville can carry it two games in a row. If they can, then I think we're looking at a little bit of progress because the schedule gets very much tougher for Louisville down the road. They got to go to Carolina. They got Duke twice. Uh, they got to go on. I think they go to Syracuse. Uh, they have Pittsburgh uh, at Pittsburgh. They've already lost to them once. But uh, last night was, uh, boy, did you think of a lot of easy open shots? And Louisville all year has not gotten a lot of inside easy shots. Last night they did. Let me ask you a question about Miami that, Ed. Know the word of defense. They know how to spell it. Yeah, let me ask you a question, get your opinion on this. This is me as a, as a basketball coach. Watching the game, and Louisville's offense looked different. It wasn't a lot of standing around. It was more passing and moving and moving the basketball. And they were seemingly getting better shots. And John always complained when he was at the games and watching it. You know, it looks like a two-man game. Three guys are standing. But I thought last night they they looked different on offense. Not because they scored. You know what? Everybody's better when they score. I'm a better coach when guys score. And I'm a, I'm a bad coach when nobody scores. <laughs> but they, they got good shots because the ball moved. Do you agree with that? Oh, there's no question about that. If the ball moves eventually you're going to get good shots. You may not get a good shot every time down the floor. And you know this as a coach, like you were saying, if you get good, if you move the ball, if you continuously uh, look at Bellarmine and how they play, they, they have a lot of sharp passes, a lot of sharp cutting. I mean, last night, Henley Hatfield, I mean, the guy that was guarding him, I, I mean, I, I think I could have scored. And he was getting open and getting easy shots all night long. Mike James sat over in the corner. It hit, hit shot after shot. That's that's by far 
uh, I think Mike James' best game. And, and overall, uh, like, w- w- what's the uh, the quote that uh, Payne always uses? They, they, they didn't let go of the rope, and last <laughs> night they didn't. I don't know if, if, if you guys read Eric Crawford's story. He went to the Kentucky-Missouri uh, game, and then at, he made an analogy about Missouri, you know, kept, kept coming to Kentucky, kept coming. Didn't win, but kept coming, kept coming. Last night, it was almost like those players, had, I don't, they probably didn't read a story, but it was almost a carbon copy of that. I, I, was, I, I was very impressed that they, they did give up the rope. I mean, it had been easy to give up the rope down there. I mean, but good win for them. Yeah, and, and Ed, one thing you've always said, you know, they give up. They look like they, they get frustrated. They don't want to play anymore. And I know when you're winning and the game's close, it's a lot different. But last night was probably the best effort that they have given all year. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't want to cut you off, but we're going to have to go to a break here. So uh, I appreciate you calling, Ed. And uh, uh, I'm sitting here in the big guy chair, and you know, this chair is kind of wobbly. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be going in. And, hey, uh, big game big game tomorrow night, Friday night, St. Yeah. X, uh, Trinity in the LIT at Valley. Yeah, double, double header, 6 o'clock out at Valley. You've got Butler and Manuel, and at 7.30 you have St. X and Trinity. And if you're going to go, check with the schools and get tickets because it's a double header, and you don't want to go out there, drive all the way out the Valley, and walk up to buy a ticket and it'd be sold out. So be careful with that. But, Ed, have a great day, man. Great to hear from you. You too. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll go ahead and take a break. Scoot, uh, Spears on Sports on the Big X with Tony and Scooter today. John Spears. Back here at the Big X on Spears on Sports with Scooter over there behind the wall. Tony Burke doing the talking today hope i haven't screwed it up too bad for you guys out there but the next segment before we get to the next caller is going to be about what everybody's heard probably from yesterday on about the head coaches in college and pro football but let's go to the hotline and buzz frank buzz what's up hey i just uh first but i thought i'd put my hat in the ring for the tony and scooter caller of the year award (laughs) well you and ed are tied What's going on? I'm already working on a, I'm already working on a T-shirt design. Hey, I, Tony, I, I thought you were dead on about the offense for you, uh, how they had a purpose and the way they moved. But the other thing, on the defensive end of the ball, they swarmed around the rebounds, and that was a different aspect mm-hmm. of their game. Yeah, Buzz, I agree with you. It it was just aggressiveness everywhere. It was rebounding. It was defensively. It was getting the ball up and moving the ball. It looked like, you know, what you expect out of the University of Louisville. Now, they were down players, and the guys played a lot of minutes, but yes. And like I was saying to Ed, when when things are going good, you get that extra little hop in your step, you know, and you play a little harder, and that's, you know, what we saw last night, I think. I really do. I think so, and 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 a little bit of success goes a long way. It just it's you know sometimes you got to deal with adversity, but sometimes you got to deal with prosperity too. And I thought that they did that pretty well. Well, I noticed something last night, and I don't see if you and Scoot saw this. I saw Danny Manning go talk to 
Kenny Payne more than I've ever seen him. In huddles and stuff, he was walking up and talking to him. And normally when you watch a game, Kenny just stands by himself. And they get in the huddle, and he sits down, and yep. they start talking. But it looked like Danny Manning was doing more coaching last night. Now, who knows if he does that every game or not. But I, it, it, I, it, I actually noticed that last night. Well, it, you know, you brought up a good point, and I'm going to segue into something you said earlier about Coach Jones when he was there with Coach Crum. Those two were always talking to each other and how much Denny really relied on Jerry's advice. Yeah. And, and you know what? Back in my 20s, I was the assistant varsity coach at St. X. Now I'm the freshman coach. Came back 30 years later, one of the longest uh, stints in between coaching at one place <laughs> in the high school history. But I helped Joe Bergamini, and I was his one assistant. And when I, I, I always talked to him, and he listened to me. And I tell my assistant coach, and I tell anybody, you need to talk to the head coach all the time. Now, if they don't do what you want them to do, don't get frustrated, but it makes them think of other things, and it gives them ideas that when you're coaching a game, you're watching, you're not watching other things, and it, it, you got to rely on those guys. And, and I watched Nolan Smith in the huddle. Nolan Smith just stood there, and and it's just interesting to me. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at the university level coaching staff, but it was just noticeable last night. But you're right; the head coach can't see everything, and. Having those extra sets of eyes, even players on the floor who will come in and say, "Hey, coach, this is what I'm this is what I'm seeing," can help make those decisions in personnel and, and other things like that. There's a key word that goes with that buzz, and it's called trust. If you can trust the coach, the coach can trust you, and the players can trust each other. You usually have a pretty good team. And last night it looked that way. But yeah, you know, when things are going good, it's a whole lot easier to do that. Hey, what did what do you think about all these coaching uh, old guys heading out? I think in the college ranks, I think we're going to see it. We've already seen it in basketball with, like, Coach K and Roy Williams and, and uh, Jim Bayham. I think NIL has a lot to do with it. They don't get their kids in for four or five years anymore, and they have to start over every year. And I think continuity has been so much uh, a key thing, especially at the University of Alabama with Coach Saban. Uh, it's just hard to keep that continuity and you have to reteach your whole scheme every year that's a that's a whole different ball of wax yeah and and alabama's on top i mean when you talk transfer portal they should be getting the top players nil you know you never know how the programs who's funding them with the money but when you're 72 years old your overall record is 297 71 and one do you want to deal with all this stuff when you pretty much do things the way you want to do it seven national championships six at alabama one at lsu you don't want to put up with this stuff. And I think just what we were talking, what you were talking about, you're going to see more and more coaches in college leave because it used to be you had to deal with the agents and you had to deal with salaries and you had to deal with that. You're doing that in college now. Oh, yeah. And, and it just, the, the players have a whole lot more power than they did before because, well, coach, you don't like what I'm doing. Somebody else will take me where before they, even though it was the scholarships were only for a year at a time, so to speak, uh, the coaches had the power, and you couldn't just go anywhere. But now it's like free agency, and it's taken a lot of the power away from the coaches. Yeah, I talked to a former head coach over at St. X who was there for a million years. Everybody knows who that is. But he said, you know, the bad part about this is, he goes, nobody has to work and earn it. And guys get better because they have to work harder, earn it. But now what – old athletic director at St. X, Alan Donhoff, told me, he goes, it's an AAU syndrome, Tony. He goes, 
if you go play on an AAU team and you don't get to play, you go to another team or your dad starts a team, and it's what's happening in college. Some of these guys that are at these colleges are their best players, and they love it there. But you know what? Somebody gets in, in the back door and says, hey, we'll give you a million more dollars if you get in the portal and come to us. And what do they do? They go, okay, I'll go play for you. It's the way the world now. Well, and, and we, I know you, being a, a high school basketball coach, have seen it at the high school level in basketball yeah. with the AAU and, uh, and how the parents come in and, and are feeding and the AAU coaches talking to the kids, and it changes their perspective, and it's a whole different game. And uh, uh, former coach at Manuel used to tell me that he had to, when he got his kids back for practice, he had to undo a lot of what the AAU stuff did Um and uh, and it, it just kind of, you almost have to start over every year, and it, I think it's getting that way for college coaches and guys who've been around for a while. And when you're making four, five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year, how much do you need before you finally say, you know what, I can sit at home and watch my kids and grandkids? Yeah, you're right, Buzz, and it's, it's even trickled down to the high school level because last week there was about four transfers transfer back in to Jefferson County Public Schools and. Guys, I was watching one of the LIT games the other night, and I said, they've got four kids who have come in the last two years to this school that are on the floor right now. And what what happens is, too, especially at the high school level, people get into these kids' ears, and they do it in college, too. they got hanger honors. they got people that are telling them the wrong things. And what's best for them, they don't know a lot of times, and you hope that their parents are smart enough to take care of that. But that doesn't always work either. No, you got that right, and and, you're, and what you said is true. And about it's almost like free agency in high school ball because now kids. It seems to me, uh, as somebody who follows high school football, basketball, all that, it seems to me that high school transfers are able to become eligible much more quickly than they used to be, uh, and they don't have to sit out a semester, a year, or anything like that anymore. Where it used to be. You transferred, and you might be out a year before you'd be eligible at your new school. Yeah, and it's it's it, it's totally gotten out of hand. It's just you know I'm not getting what I want. I leave. So you know that's part of it. And you know what, Buzz, we could end up Saturday with a Manual Saint X Lit final. That'd be pretty cool for me. I guess <laughs> then you wouldn't be able to talk to Zub about not scheduling the game. <laughs> you got that right, Buzz. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I tell you what, you got anything else for me today? No, I just appreciate you stepping in. And uh, like I said, I wanted to get my get my name in the mention for the for the Tony and Scooter Caller of the Year Award. All right. I appreciate it, Buzz. You have a great day, man. You too, Tony. We'll see you, buddy. Okay. Well, you know, Scoot, we started talking about Nick Saban right there, and, and I've got all kinds of notes. What it, did you expect? It, you, you have, Is he retiring or something? uh maybe yeah i <laughs> hadn't you, if, heard anything if, if you turn on twitter or the television or whatever, but you, but you know what you're 72 years old and mm-hmm. you know you, you how much more do you want to deal with with stress yeah you got a you got a boatload of money you go wherever you want do whatever you want right. and you know you haven't probably spent a lot of time with your family either and, and that's what people don't understand about these coaches they make millions of dollars which is great all this stuff but uh their wives are usually saints but on Nick Saban, I got a couple more things here. Nick Saban won 10 games, at least 10 games in the last 16 straight seasons. 49 first round draft choices. That's incredible. Worst record 
at Alabama, 2010, 10-3. and three. <laughs> uh, Two undefeated seasons, two, uh, 2009, 2020. Ten current assistants as college head coaches, one NFL. But he's been in the college football playoffs eight of ten years at Alabama. And now here's my question to you, Scoot. Who wants to come in behind him? You know, guys like Rupp and Wooden and those guys, everybody wants this job because it's such a great job. But if you come in behind Nick Saban and don't win. Yeah. I mean, the the fan base is going to get really impatient. i tell you who it's going to be, though. And who's you, you who's can, it going to be? You could take this to the bank. It's going to be Dan Lanning. They've already – did you hear what his buyout is? I have not, no. $20 million. Holy smokes. But just, <laughs> I heard that this morning. <laughs> but just think of it from his perspective. You know, Oregon going to the Big Ten next year. If you go to Alabama – you have so much less stress in terms of travel. You don't. You're not having to travel across the country two, three times, whatever it may be next year. So for me, it's a no-brainer. If I'm Dan Lanning, I'm going to Bama. I don't. I don't care about the preconceived notions about following Saban. I, I wouldn't be scared of that at all. Well, that that I, I would be the same way. But there is a lot of pressure when you come in behind a legend, and mm-hmm. that's one thing that they have to deal with. But you know, I, I listened. I'm not going to say who I listened to, but they were talking about Dion. And they're like, there's no way Dion can stand on that sideline in Alabama. Oh, and no. one of them said, well, he's he's doing that at Colorado, but I, my, there's no way in you know what that Dion's going to be the head coach I, at Alabama. I'll tell you what, there's another name that I think there's also no way that's been thrown around a lot, Dabo Sweeney. There is no, no, way, no way that he could handle the pressure at Alabama. It's totally different. He's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being, hey, rah, rah, and – religious and all that stuff but alabama i heard a great quote it said the people in alabama go to church but they go to church to pray for alabama football before they go (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of how it works down there you know down in alabama but well let's move on to the next old guy that's gone bill belichick 71 years old so we just had a 72 year old and a 71 year old and i think you know how i feel john always talks about belichick getting a job here Mm -hmm. or there me personally, if I'm a GM or an owner, I don't want Bill Belichick. I want somebody with more ideas, better currently with players. And, you know, since he uh, – they lost to the Jets 17-3. to He was 4-13 and this year. That was the, that snapped a 16-game winning streak against the Jets, by the way. Wow. It's, uh, Eight straight seasons. Think about that. Worst record he's ever had with the Patriots. And he's missed the playoff three of the last four years. 24 seasons, six Super Bowls, 31 playoff wins, career 333 wins. But he had Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. People can always say, well, it wasn't just Brady. When you, you know, John always says, hey, tell me who these guys are on this team. When you went back and looked at the Patriot teams over the year, besides for when you had Randy Moss and a, and a couple guys, most people don't even remember who played for him unless yeah. it was like Deion Branch that won the MVP of the Super Bowl. And that. They just remember Tom Brady. Yeah. And, and I was actually talking to my roommate about this last night is the fact that if Belichick didn't have Tom Brady, we wouldn't look at him as one of the best coaches of all time. Exactly. And You take away Tom Brady from him, he's not winning nearly as many games as he did. No, and then I heard uh, uh, some of them talking about maybe the Chargers are a good place. There's no way – that he's going into an environment like that in, in Southern California with a team that's that's younger, that they're trying, to, you know, that struggled. They're not gonna, they don't get home field advantage at their own place. There's no way. And I personally think Jim Harbaugh is going to end up being the Los Angeles Chargers coach because he's a California guy, okay. been out there coaching. Um, 
you know, on the West Coast, and I think that's a perfect fit if he leaves Michigan. And uh, do you think he'll leave Michigan? I do think he'll leave Michigan. But in regards to Belichick, I don't think we're having this discussion if he's not so close to the coaching record, right? Yeah. I think he'd probably just be fine hanging it up, calling it a day. He's number two. Mm-hmm. Don Shula is one with 347. So he's he's 14 behind. By so. the way, got a text on the Thornton's text line regarding this. Are we thinking Mike Vrabel to New England is all but done? Or do you think Vrabel doesn't want to replace a legend? I think it's done. I think so, too. I think that's the perfect fit. Played there. I love him. You know, he, everything he did up there, winning Super Bowls, playing offense, playing defense, doing all those things. And he, and he, and he was a good coach at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They, you got to have players. Uh, just what I said earlier. When you have good players, you're a whole lot better coach. Yep. And, uh, you know, so we'll see how that goes. When, we'll, when we come back, we'll mention uh, one more old guy that's been let go in the football coaching uh family and a few other things about college basketball and there was a lot of upsets last night oh, in college yeah. basketball so you're listening to spears on sports with scooter and tony today Welcome back to Spears on Sports here on the Big X with Scooter and Tony today. If you weren't with us earlier, John Spears on assignment down in North Alabama covering the Bellarmine Knights tonight on a friend station of ours. And uh, so John's not here the rest of the week. Uh, wonder if you found my wife yet. What? Yeah, I told him to keep an eye out for my wife. She's somewhere in Alabama. I just don't know where. <laughs> well... And I'd try other places in Alabama, <laughs> Scoot. But, hey, hey, yesterday, TJ, I listened to the whole show. TJ did a great job yeah. sitting in here for John. Uh, I've really enjoyed this today. I know we still have the segment left, but uh, it was kind of leery uh, weeks back when I was asked to do this because I haven't done it. So, hopefully, me and Scoot are doing a good job. But uh, the next guy that I, I wanted to get to real quick on the coaching car- carousel that's gone is Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. 72 years old. So, Saban, 72 Belichick, 71. Pete Carroll, 72. Now, Pete Carroll's a guy that's got all kinds of energy for 72 years old. He runs around. He looks like he's looks like he's 62. You know, Him and Saban both. Yeah, Saban keeps himself in good shape. Now, yeah. we can't tell with Belichick with those hoodies on. and <laughs> you know, He's what? not in good shape. I'm going to take a stab at him. <laughs> you take him in a race, huh? You take him down <laughs> right now. Hey, but Pete Carroll, 9-8 and eight this year. Here's his part of his coaching care, uh, you know, tree. He was a Jets head coach in 94, one year. Didn't go very well. Then he was the 49ers defensive coordinator from 95 to 96. Patriots head coach from 97 to 99. And then he was at USC, was the head coach out there from 2001 to 2009, where he won two national championships uh, in 2003 and 2004. And then from then on, he's been with the Seahawks. He's also their vice president of football operations. And I don't think it was mutual. I was reading something that said it was – the owner said it was kind of mutual. But I don't think Pete Carroll wanted to go anywhere. And, you know, he's done a great job out there. But mm-hmm. my philosophy is – and see what you think here, Scoot. You're a lot younger than me. But I think it comes to a point, even if you're a great coach at an age, it's time to move on and bring somebody in with new ideas and to try to build what you've built and keep it going. Yeah, but you've also got to ha- – be the special type of person where you can have that going back to word we used earlier trust that another coach can come in and continue what you've done 
to to get this thing rolling. That's why I think he's going to stay in some sort of advisory role or is that what I was reading? Yeah, I think he wants to coach, but I think for, you know, right now I think he he wants he likes the Seahawks the Seahawks organization, easy for me to say. But, you know, it's still hard to me to hire a guy that's 70 something years old. Think yeah. about it. how old are you, Scoot? 34. Yeah, think about it. Almost 40 years older than you. How many people 40 years older than you would you hire at your business? Yeah, not many. I, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry if you're older. I'm not. I'm 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 60. So I don't know that I'd hire anybody my age if they feel like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, you know what? He also won a, a Super Bowl, 2013. Mm-hmm. Almost won another one. Yep. So he's been very very successful as a head coach. So we'll see what happens to Pete Carroll. But that's the coaching carousel. What was more surprising, Pete Carroll not coming back or Nick Saban not coming back? For you, for me, I I think both of them surprised me. Yeah, I think it's Nick Saban because things are just so gone so well. I know they lost in the playoff this year, and they had an opportunity. You know, they they lost to Michigan, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, Michigan wins it all. So it's not like you're you're going out because you don't feel like you're going to have the guys there. But you know what? There's I don't care even with Nick Saban. There's a lot of stress. That's that's a long days, long hours. Even though he's not out traveling probably a lot on the recruiting trail, he's got to do all that stuff mm-hmm. and then deal with the, everything else that goes with it. So I was actually thinking earlier when you and Buzz were talking about the nil situation, if that was a thing at the col- or at the high school level and you say you had to go out and hit the transfer portal to get new freshmen every year, would you be coaching? No. Exactly. There's no way. Yeah. And and in high school you have to show love just like you do to them. You, you know, you got to show your face and let the kids know you want them at school. You can't do anything, but you can, you know, you got to do that. It, the AAC, AAU scene, I went out one time to one of the big ones in like eighth graders. Every high school coach is there. Everybody's introducing everybody. And I'm like, I'm old. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to talk to, to 14 year olds, yeah. you know, and, and say, hey, we want you here and you can do this. But, Unfortunately, even on the high school level, the coaches have to do it, or the kids. If you don't show them love, they're they're gonna go somewhere else where somebody else is showing love. So it's yeah. it's just our world we live in right now, and uh, it's just the way it's gonna be. And one more thing on the coaching thing: the Bears fi- fire their defensive uh, offensive coordinator, and they keep the head coach uh, Eberflus. I don't know, I, I I can't even say Matt the name. Eberflus. You know, because it's such. I never I've never heard the name before <laughs> until he started coaching there, and he's ten and twenty four. And, and you know, let's let's get rid of the offensive guy. It's his fault. It's always somebody's fault. You got to get rid of somebody if you're going to hang on. So the Bears, will the Bears keep Justin Fields? You think is he the, still the quarterback of the future for them? Yeah, I don't know. That's a question I've asked a lot as well. If because if I'm the Bears, and I know they normally in the NFL draft they'll trade down for picks so some uh, some other teams can come in. But I'm if I'm the Bears, I'm drafting the best quarterback possible. And I'm going to dangle that guy and Justin Fields out there. Hey, anybody want one of these guys? Come get them. Give us your best offer. Yeah, because we we know the the coat uh, the quarterback situation in the NFL. I mean, what did Jake Browning say? There's 30. I'm one of the best 32 quarterbacks. Unfortunately, I'm behind a guy that's one of the best five quarterbacks yeah. in the league. So you know, till you actually get in there and do it, what they always say, everybody's favorite player is a backup quarterback. Yep. Until he gets in the game and then he, he and he stinks and all I know is this, hates him. It's gonna be a wild off season in the NFL. Yeah. What is there already five job openings? Yeah. Already? Yeah. 
It's nuts. Well, let's let's change it up just a little bit. College basketball last night, man. You talking about upset Wednesday night? It was last night. I I was I, I wrote down the top twenty five, and you know what? Tuesday night, Purdue and Houston both lost. Mm-hmm. I know that Purdue loss really hurt you. The Houston loss really made me happy because the Hoosiers' record stands another year, baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then and, and then last night, Kansas, Kansas goes to Central Florida, loses sixty five to sixty. And they were a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. And Central Florida had just lost to Kansas State by 25 points a game before. So it just shows you college basketball on the road. We all, you know, John always talks about it. Conference games on the road are tough. Doesn't matter who's playing who. So number three, Kansas, goes down last night. Did UConn, you see Dickinson at the end of that game, by the way? No, I did not. I, did, I, I, had, oh. I had three TVs on, but I didn't have that one on. What a little punk. I'll show, right? you, I'll show you the video after we get off. He is he's such a punk. Yeah, and, you know, it breaks my heart when Kansas loses. <laughs> I know John, John hates it, too, because his brother's a big Kansas fan. But number four, UConn last night, they struggled. They, came, they hung in there and, and beat a, a Xavier team who – Sean Miller – is under 500 now as Xavier's head coach. The, you know, the prodigy from Cam, uh, from Xavier that went out to Arizona didn't do anything wrong. They got rid of him, right? And uh, so, you know, UConn wins. Will UConn be number one when the week comes? I would think so. I would yeah. think so. Although I, I don't know. I was talking a little bit about this with Matt Dennison on the Hoosier Report. Just how much do they punish those top? two teams specifically Purdue and Houston because both their games were on the road same thing with Kansas same thing with Tennessee all four of those teams lost on the road so how much do they weigh that and punish them for that losing on the road yeah and and Houston's going to play a much tougher schedule now Mm -hmm. than they were playing when they were in the AAC so they're going to have games where they're going to lose on the road we've seen that with Kentucky we've seen it with all the Big Ten schools we've seen it with everybody you go on the road it's just tough and the game one of the games I did have on last night was the Mississippi State Tennessee game and Mississippi State and at the hump down there nobody ever shows up besides from Kentucky and Tennessee show up and uh, Tennessee gets beat last night they get beat 77 to 72 in Stark Vegas and uh, they were the number five team in the country night for Kentucky wins North Carolina got scared for a little while Mm -hmm. number seven at NC State but they pull it out and then you go down to number nine, Oklahoma. They lose by nine last night. So, you know, you start looking at this poll. And don't I, for, I, don't and forget Marquette at 11. I, yeah, I'm getting to – they were the next one I was getting to. But, you know, the poll to me never means anything. And I know it is good talk radio. If I was in here every week, like, yeah, I would probably talk about, you know, Joel and Artie's thing and, you know, I don't take any stock in any of that because it's just people trying to guess who's good, who's playing who, who's not playing each other. But that game last night, an Oklahoma team, it's, uh, I like a lot. I've watched them play. They go down last night. And then, like you said, Marquette. I had the Marquette game on too. And last night, Marquette loses 69-62. They led big early in that game. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of went out the window. Excuse me. Couple. I'm like John there. I got you now. No kidding. You're I'm, fitting, I'm, fitting right in. Something about sitting in this seat over here. <laughs> we do have a couple of texts on the Thornton's text Go ahead. line. Go ahead, Scoop. First one says, Harbaugh to the NFL makes sense, but with the NIL and recruiting world the way it is, are guys like Kirby Smart and Sarkeesian and other top college coaches NFL bound? I can see it. I mean, I mean, there's only 32 NFL jobs, though. That's the thing. Right. And, They're going to have to swallow their pride. They all can't be head coaches. Right. And and the one thing, I always go back with uh, 
Rick Pitino and John Cal Perry told their assistants, I heard them all say it. When you take a job, don't just take a job because it's a job. Take a job that you can go in and win. It's set up for you to do stuff. And you don't want to leave one of those places and go take a job and then be out of a job in two years. I always look at the Louisville situation back over the years, football-wise, John L. Smith, uh, Charlie Strong, all these guys you know, want to go to bigger, better things. When you're in a great situation, making a lot of money, and all these guys that leave and try to take on some of these things, it doesn't work for them. And, you know, comfort, it's got to be a pretty good thing. And, you know, Kirby Smart, I, to me, he's got one of the best two jobs, mm-hmm. one of the best three jobs, probably Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. So would you want to give that up when things are just going great for you? But would he be interested in Alabama? But one guy that the texter mentioned I, I think would be a really good fit Steve Sarkeesian. I think he would leave Texas to go to Alabama, and I think he'd be a really good fit. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I've, I've thought that the whole time. He had issues with alcohol and stuff back mm-hmm. in the day and kind of derailed his coaching career. And then he went back to Alabama as a consultant, then became the offensive coordinator. Now he's winning at Texas. So why wouldn't Alabama just, you know, throw everything at him? Because I, I, I think he is the right guy, and I think you're right. Buzz says, Chris Mack back to Xavier? <laughs> Chris Mack, uh, Chris Mack, I think burnt a lot of bridges in, in Louisville by just wanting out. But uh, Sean Miller will win there uh, yeah. eventually. I mean, Sean Miller's a good coach. I just like to make fun of him. He'll also where's sweat. Archie at these days? He'll also sweat a lot there. Uh, Archie is at Rhode Island. He's at Rhode Island. Yeah. He's done a pretty good job at Rhode Island. And I still think when he took the Indiana job, I really scoot. Uh, you're the big Indiana guy. I thought it was the right hire. Mm-hmm. I really did, and it just didn't work out. And it just proves things don't always go the way you want them to. Speaking of doesn't work out, John texted me, said he has not found my wife yet. Oh, uh, there's that update. Well, if you got John out looking, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you better find somebody else. Hey, real quick, you know, we don't have a lot of time here. I want your opinion on top five college basketball teams in the state of Kentucky. Top five college basketball teams in the state down. of Kentucky. Yes. All right, Kentucky number one. Yeah, definitely. I think you'd have to put Eastern Kentucky in there somewhere. Western Western beat Eastern by 10 early in the okay, year. Okay, so, West, so Western would be in there for me. Um... Man, Moorhead, maybe? I don't have Louisville in there if that's what you're fishing for. Yeah, and, and normally Bellarmine's in there, but Bellarmine's down at the bottom. You got Northern Kentucky who beat oh, Northern, Eastern yeah. Kentucky. You got Moorhead, and then, unfortunately, you have Louisville and Bellarmine this year. Isn't that – I mean, that that's bizarre when you talk about the best five college basketball teams in the state. Louisville should be in that conversation every single year. They should be number two. Absolutely. Unless unless they're one. Kentucky and Louisville should always be, you know, one, two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know we only got a minute left here. Hey, a couple quick notes here. I just I, I really wanted me and you, Scoot, to pick two overs in pro football and then we play a parlay in John's honor. We can still do that <laughs> off the air. But uh Patino, Rick Patino wins again last night. Yep. They go to twelve and four. Uh, Kawhi Leonard gets a three-year, $153 million contract like he needs it. No kidding. Tiger Woods gives up his 27-year partnership with Nike. And Victor Wimbanyana gets his first triple-double. And the Pacers only score 112 points, but they win. Wimbanyama's triple-double came in 21 minutes, by the way. Stupid impressive. That is crazy. And the guy we didn't mention for any of these jobs everybody's talking about, Dan Quinn. Everybody's talking about Dan Quinn. So, Scoot, I appreciate everything, man, having me set up here and uh, the calls from Ed and Buzz. 
And uh, I'll do this again now because I, I really did enjoy it. He's got some confidence, folks. Watch out. There you go. So <laughs> you, you were listening to Scooter and Tony on Spears on Sports on the Big X today.